The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use a promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com and download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a free-to-play app that lets you bet on all your favorite NFL player props for your chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. We're brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's SoBet.io slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. Wendia, Ramsey, Coutinho, 
Yeah, one supporter's fairy tale is another supporter's nightmare. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Bet MUFC Twitter account at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. You can also follow the Twitter account for the Soccer Gambling Podcast. That's at SGP Soccer. At SGP Soccer. The views of the Soccer Gambling Podcast Twitter account are not necessarily the views of the sports gambling podcast let me just say that to get my additional content head over to my website lockbetting.com that's lockbetting.com we are on the way to 103 months in a row of transparent track profit now we are not covering the Australian Open. We were covering the futures and the first round because we already handicapped them while we were waiting for the ridiculous decision on Novak Djokovic. And now he is out of the Australian Open. I refuse to watch it and I refuse to cover anything that's happening in that particular country. So that's not going to be covered over at lockbetting.com. And as I said to clients, if that is an issue, if you solely signed up for the Aussie Open, I will be issuing you a refund. But why would you be claiming a refund? We're coming off another weekend where we destroyed the NFL out of the 19 weeks that have been played in the NFL so far. We have delivered 16 weeks of profit. I went 5-1 and one ATS with my picks. The only one I got wrong was taking the four points with the Arizona Cardinals against the Rams. And we go again this weekend with the number one seeds joining the fray as the Green Bay Packers take on San Francisco 49ers. I do my NFL show over on the day sheets. That was my wrestling feed. But while the NFL season is on, we always drop an NFL podcast. But to get all of my official plays and be a part of the 104th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit, head over to Lock betting.com i've genuinely not had a single losing month for eight and a half years and to see the PL spreadsheet for the previous month just go to the pin tweet at sgp soccer and you'll see the december PL where i delivered just under 42 units of profit that's good for over five and a half thousand dollars make sure you check that out actually press the button on the tweet and go in and have a look at the actual spreadsheet have a look at the report from 2021 look what we did throughout last year and if you go to the lockbetting.com site all those PLs are free so once you open up one PL, there are tags on there and if you click the tag PL, you can see every single spreadsheet for 2021. This is the most transparent service possible and we genuinely have delivered what we say we have delivered. Moving on to Manchester United, they are a team who have not delivered what they were supposed to deliver this season. It looked like they were going to deliver a win out of a out of the blue. They were dominated by this Aston Villa team in the FA Cup. And suddenly they were playing very, very well. I was sitting in hotel football in Manchester enjoying this game. I was actually supposed to go to the game. I was supposed to take my son to the Manchester City Chelsea game. That was a game he wanted to go to. We we go to Man United games, but we pick and choose a few other games around the country. I said to him he could do this this season because of the pandemic and it had been so long since football. So we were going to compensate and we set a target of 40 games this season. So we went to Manchester City Chelsea first and we weren't meant to head over to Villa versus Man United on the way back. It's just a one and a half hour drive. So even if you got stuck in a little bit of traffic after the Man City game, you'd probably be well on your way down the motorway at 3.30 and well on your way to making it to Villa Park in time. But I actually got scammed out of my money. Now, there are various scammers all over the place that you buy tickets from, but there's one on Twitter that you need to particularly watch out for, at Stub Ticket, that's at Stub Ticket, 
do not be fooled by them. Uh, I got fooled because they had a high follower account. They were able to answer all of my questions. Something in the back of my head told me that if you bank transfer money from your account to another account, that they would have to be legitimate because it would be very, very easy just to report that to the police and they would find the owner of the bank account because my assumption is when you open up bank accounts, you need to start an account with a form of identification. That isn't the case. There are loopholes that these scammers are finding where they're able to have bank accounts and are able to steal money from people and there's nothing that will be done about it. Now, obviously, your cardholder protects you for direct debit direct debit transactions that if you buy something and you don't receive it or you're not happy with the goods or whatever, direct debit covers you, but an actual bank transfer doesn't. So it's a technicality that we're relying on. But as I said, going back to my original point, there's somebody behind that bank account. Somebody went in with identification and opened that and the police or action fraud should be able to do something about it. These are the channels that I've gone down. Um, not that I'm bothered about the money. The money was a, a low amount of money that you'd expect to pay for a ticket. Usually a Man United ticket should be £250 each for an away game and around 150 for a home game. And you should remember, which I am, but I don't have privilege to away tickets. So as is a smaller amount, they're 250 each, which is quite high. So they were charging a fraction of that less than half of that. So I was willing to take the risk. There was a reasonable chance I would lose my money. I knew that. I wasn't 100% confident, but I was confident enough to make the payment and and think and thought there was a process for me to get my money back. So that's what they're relying on. They're also relying on people to just consider it a loss and write it off and not to complain and not to go to action fraud and not pressurise the police. They're also counting on the fact the police in this country are absolutely useless. I've just had an experience where the roof of my car was stolen by the recovery company because the recovery company picked it up with a roof and dropped it up without one. And the value of the roof on my Jeep Wrangler is £800. So he's stolen an £800 roof, allowed the car to be rained on for two days before the garage found it without a roof, has taken other things out of the car and the car is destroyed. The water damage was so severe that my Jeep Wrangler was written off. Now, the police did not look into this at all. They said they didn't have enough evidence to suggest that he stole a roof, even though he picked the car up with a roof and delivered it without a roof. So that is the level of policing in this country, although they are happy to find people not wearing masks in shopping centres and they are willing to put points on a licence and fine you when they catch you going three miles over the speed limit with their speed gun. That is the priorities. That is the priority of the police in this country. That's how bad it is. So thinking you're going to get somewhere with action forward and the police, that's not going to happen. You just need to be more vigilant. I wasn't. That was my mistake. And therefore, I didn't end up attending this game between Aston Villa and Manchester United. So I ended up watching it in hotel football, which is the hotel I stayed at right by Old Trafford. Nice hotel, a little bit overpriced for what it is. Obviously, great for a Man United fan because you have all the 92 memorabilia there. You have uh, 92 memorabilia in the rooms as well. But um, everything was going very, very well until the final 15 minutes and then Manchester United collapsed and undid one of their best performances of the season. Certainly a best performance under Ralph Ragnick. He agrees. This is what he had to say about it. Um, Ralph, you, you do seem to be saying very similar things after virtually every game. How frustrating for you personally as a manager is it that whatever you're trying to do on the training ground and telling the players, it doesn't seem to be working? Well, I don't think that that was true today. Um, um, for me, it was uh, one of the best performances since I came here. 
six weeks ago. Um, as I said, we we controlled the game in the first half hour completely. We could have been two or three nil up. Um, and uh, in the second half, uh, we also played against it with the ball. We had our moments uh, and we played well. And uh, as I said, when you're two nil up after 70 minutes, um, you have to take the three points. And uh, this is what we what, what we didn't manage to do in the end. Thomas, Hi, uh, you've got to teach him to be more street streetwise, more street smart about seeing these games out. Uh, and also, can you just tell us what how come Cristiano was missing? Because we didn't see your pre-match stuff. What the excuse for it? Sorry, I didn't understand the last part of the question. Can you say that again? You're asking why Cristiano didn't play. Yeah, because he was injured, uh, um, he still has had problems uh, with his hip flexor, and that's why he couldn't train yesterday. And I spoke with him before and after the training session, and uh, then we decided that it makes no sense to just travel uh, without knowing if he could really play. So he, I, we will see what uh, the situation is like tomorrow, and um, yeah, if he will be available again on Wednesday. I'm not Hi Ralph, um, at one in the second half, Villa seemed to be a bit more dominant and none of the players, none of the substitutes were warming up. Did you consider a change in that point or did you feel as though you, you had a decent measure of control even though you didn't have as much of the ball? No, I mean, obviously after we scored the second goal, I was thinking about a back three, uh, switching to a back, back three. But my worry was that if we do that, that we would be pinned back too much. Um, in the end, it still happened. So um, if I could do it, do it again, probably I would probably change uh, and uh, change to a, to a different formation, to a back three. But again, um, after being 2-0 up, uh, it might have been the wrong signal to the team to, to drop too far back. And whenever we play proactive today, whenever we, we, we press them, whenever we put them under pressure, we had our best moments in the game today. Okay, Now we'll go to Rob Dawson. Um, hi, Ralph. Um, Oli would, would say occasionally earlier in the season that, that the team struggled to deal with setbacks when they came and that it would create a, a sort of a panic situation for you know, five or ten minutes. Um, did you feel that was the case after 2-1? After Even at 2-1, you, you could have maybe seen the game out a little bit better, but it, it seemed a little bit it ragged towards the end and, and led to the, the second goal happening very, very quickly after the first. Yeah, I don't think that we were panicking, but uh, as I said, we were not as compact as we were in in, in most other parts of the game. Um, and that's why the, the, the two goals that we conceded were, it was just too easy for them to to, to go, to come through and, and, and to dribble and pass through our lines. And therefore, again, uh, this is what we did well in other parts of the game, but we didn't do it well in, in, in those last 10, 15 minutes. Laurie Whitwell? Hi Ralph, um, one fewer substitute than Aston Villa on the bench and two goalkeepers, um, was there a particular reason for that? I know obviously you've had injuries in the team, for example Anthony Martial, um, is it a case of him wanting a transfer out so he's not in the squad or is it an injury? Um, just if you could elaborate please. Yes, uh, he didn't want to be in the squad, uh, he would have been in the squad uh, normally but he didn't want to. Uh, and that's the reason why he was not travelling with us yesterday. So there you have it. Ralph says that it was one of their best performances under him so far. And it was. I was happy with what I was seeing. I was surprised because, as I said previously, 
Villa dominated us in the Monday night game in the FA Cup. We were lucky to come away with that with a win and we were lucky to come away with that with a clean sheet. I thought there's no way we'd keep a clean sheet in this game. I was proven right. The two plays that I gave out on the Better MUFC podcast on um, on Villa on the double chance market and on both teams to score, both cashed, both teams to score became a big official play over at lockbetting.com. So I was right in how I saw this game overall in the end, but not how I saw the first hour playing out of Manchester United playing well, running a lot more, winning the ball in key areas, having a lot more control of the game. But then as soon as that that one goal came back to get Villa back in the game, we lost control and we shouldn't be doing that at this level. Ralph Ragnick there alluded to changes that he could have made. Yes, he could have gone to a back three. It would have made a lot more sense at that point in time to, to sacrifice an attacker. I don't see what the point was of, of making a substitution that brought Jaden Sancho onto the team. I thought Alanga was working harder than Sancho. I thought he was generally working better than Sancho has all season. So some confusing decisions, disappointed with it, especially because this manager spoke very much about control and, and how this team were disorganised. He he observed the performance against Arsenal where we won 3-2. And don't forget, we were under a very good run under Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick made sure that we didn't go out of the Champions League because that was a slippery slope. In fact, we won the group with a really good win away to Villarreal, a draw away to Chelsea and a good win at home to Arsenal as well. These are some of the results that Carrick had. And he watched that and said, these are the kind of games I don't like watching as a manager and we should have a lot more control. And that's what I look to bring. Well, he clearly hasn't established that so far. We're two weeks away from February and this Manchester United team still look disorganised. Yes, well played. We got ahead 2-0 against Aston Villa. But we allowed them to get back into the game. My son watched this game and, and he said to me, Coutinho's going to be a great signing and Coutinho changed the game. If we put our foot on the ball, that doesn't happen. If we just if we play around with it and, and maintain possession of the ball and make them chase the ball and we, and we maintain possession, even if it's in our own half, if we just kill the game, if we're super boring and don't let that become a match in the last 20 minutes and kill it dead much like Manchester City did against us. Not to say we would have got back in that game at Old Trafford, but they absolutely controlled and killed the game dead in the second 45 minutes. They didn't even try and score. That was a masterclass in killing a game to death and conserving energy en route to doing that. And Manchester United have seemingly learnt nothing and seem no better in terms of game control when we're two months into what Ralph Ragnick's supposed to be doing with us. So that was the biggest disappointment. It's just always hard to predict where we go from here. We're coming up now against a Brentford team that lost to a Liverpool team that were missing Mane and Salah. I, I very much felt that Brentford could have given Liverpool a game. They gave them a game earlier on in the season and it was a 3-3. And uh, here at Anfield, they got easily beaten without Salah and Mane. And we saw Liverpool against Arsenal were a little bit toothless without that duo and looked like they were going to drop some points in the league, along with having a very difficult job of going through to the Carabao Cup final. They're the second leg against Arsenal this week. We're going to cover that here on this show. But uh, yeah, Liverpool still did a job on Brentford. So this really should be a game that Manchester United win. If we win our games in hand, we're in a good position to go through in the top four. Obviously, West Ham occupy the position at the moment. 
And obviously Tottenham have more games in hand than Manchester United do. But if all goes well, we will be able to still get into the top four. Obviously, the league is completely gone. It's gone for everybody. Man City's win over Chelsea at the weekend, that game that I was at, that completely killed it. So I don't think there's going to be a title race. It's just a case of second, third and fourth at the moment. Uh, Man United are available here at 4-5 to five to win this game. It's 11-4 to four on the draw and Brentford are the 7-2 to two underdogs. As I said, I reiterate, this is a game that Manchester United should win. Um, this isn't a homer pick. I've been accused of that a few times where results have gone wrong for Man United. I've been very good over the years in, in, in picking my team to win and not picking my team to win. Uh, and, and situations where I think that we'll fail. I've been very good at that. We listened to um, Sean Green on the, on the Sports Gambling Podcast this week. Um, making a case for, for the Philadelphia Eagles to, to not only beat Tampa, but to win the Super Bowl. I, I understand that, that that's part of the show. And um, obviously, Sean Green's a comedian. And I, and I realistically don't think he even thought that the Philadelphia Eagles would be going to the Super Bowl. But on a week-to-week basis, you normally have Ryan and Sean both making a case for why the Giants are going to cover and why the Eagles are going to cover. That's not what I do here. I, I took Aston Villa to not get beaten last week. I took both teams to score alongside it as well. I've done that very, very often with this Manchester United team. But this has to be a spot where we win. I don't think we're going to do it easily. I feel that both teams to both teams to score is a bet that will continue to cash. I don't even think we'll keep a clean sheet here against this team. It's 10 to 11 for that selection to cash. 10 to 11, yes. 10 to 11, no. Man United have scored in all of their away games so far this season. However... We've only kept three clean sheets and this Brentford team have scored 12 goals in 10 home league games via 11 different players. So it's not a case of keeping Ivan Tony quiet. These goals can come from everywhere. And uh, Man United have actually lost seven of the last 22 trips to promoted sides. We've already lost to Watford earlier on in the season. So this could be a shaky fixture. We've seen Watford beat us. We've seen Norwich take us to the limit. So I'm not saying this is going to be easy. But off the back of that performance, if we play the same, we will win that game. When you look at the team that I'm expecting to start here, I think Ballow will maintain his spot right back. I think Shaw gets in at left back. I think um, there's signs that Maguire are fit, so he'll come back in with Varane. Uh, Fred and McTominay, I think, will continue to start. Fernandes will have to play because he scored two goals last time and he was very good. And I think up top, we would go with, I think, Alanga, Rashford and Ronaldo, most likely. Uh, maybe Alanga, Greenwood and Ronaldo, but I do think Marcus Rashford's going to get his spot back in the team. Greenwood did nothing wrong. But I do feel it'll make way for, for Marcus Rashford. But I think Alanga could could honestly maintain his place and keep Jaden Sancho out. But I think Ronaldo is past fit. I think Ronaldo is going to play here. I think the problem with his hip flexor is fixed. And um, I'm going to be taking Man United here on the money line. And I also like both teams to score here in this game. I said on the other podcast this week that I was going to cover some of the action. Well, we've had a postponement. So that only left us with two EPL games other than the Manchester United one. So what I've decided to do 
is not bother looking at that Tuesday game here between Brighton and Chelsea to give myself a little bit more time to get a little bit more information on what's going on with Man U and who's going to be fit here in this squad. So we are going to look at the game between Tottenham and Leicester and then we're going to pivot across and look at the Carabao Cup semi-final between Arsenal and Liverpool that's taken place here on Thursday. So we'll begin here with the Leicester-Tottenham game. Leicester are available here at 21-10. It's 5-2 on the draw and Tottenham are the 6-5 favourites. I don't see Tottenham as the 6-5 favourites here. Without Son in their team, they look a little bit shy in front of goal. And this postponement of this game may actually benefit Leicester. I think Tottenham were better equipped to win this game. They were in a better place last time before this game got postponed. My original play for this game last time was for both teams to score. I haven't changed from that. I still feel this will be a game that both teams find in it. I'm just a little bit more weary of Tottenham here without Sonny in their team because he gives them so much. He's become a much more important player than Harry Kane, for, for me, in my opinion. So I do feel that's going to be a big miss. Therefore, I'm a little bit more hesitant to jump on that as much as I was last time. I almost feel like Leicester on the double chance market here at 4-6 to six is the way that you play this game. Leicester to avoid a defeat because that's how you get the other side of Tottenham providing you no value at 6-5 to five plus 120 to win this game. I don't understand that price. I don't understand how you're making Tottenham the clear favourites here to win the game. So suddenly I shift from having a clear play on both teams to score to liking Leicester on the double chance market here and as a live underdog. And Leicester on the double chance market once again is available at 4 to 6 minus 150. Looking at the potential both teams to score selection, in this fixture, we've seen more than two and a half goals in four of the last five games. We've seen more than two and a half goals in four of Leicester's last five games and Tottenham come into this without a clean sheet in their last three. So we do have the data to go with that play once again. I'm going to lean Leicester on a double chance market as my main play, but I'm also going to go for both teams to score once again, as I did last time when we previewed this fixture. Moving on to that semi-final between Arsenal and Liverpool. The winner of this game will play Chelsea in the final of the Carabao Cup. And why I say winner of this game, because the first leg decided nothing. There are no away goals here, so it is a straight-out contest. Straight-out contest to decide who goes through here between Arsenal and Liverpool in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. Arsenal are the 5-2 underdogs on the money line. It's 13-5 here on the draw. And Liverpool are the 10-11 favourites. Therefore, once again, the counter price on Arsenal to avoid a defeat is also 10-11. So you can get Arsenal on a double chance market to avoid a defeat. That means Arsenal could win it in 90 minutes or... They could just take this game to extra time, and that is 10 to 11. Liverpool are 8 to 15 here to qualify, and Arsenal at the best price was 6 to 4 plus 150. Arsenal managed to get the game against um, Tottenham cancelled. They got the North London derby cancelled. Therefore, they should be more rested than a Liverpool team that put all their players out to beat Brentford. It was a comfortable day 
at the office in the end. But at the end of the day, Liverpool have still played. Arsenal were able to contain Liverpool last weekend. And I'm not saying they're going to do that again, necessarily, where they're going to shut this, this team out. Because they do still have some quality players. But their main players are gone. And even with Arsenal down to 10 men, Arsenal managed to shut this team down. So I think Arsenal are a live dog here. I love Arsenal to qualify here at 6 to 4 plus 150. That gives you extra time and penalties as well. Arsenal managed the 0 0 draw at Anfield in the first leg despite losing Xhaka to the red card. Arsenal have won 10 of their last 12 games at home in all competitions, whereas Liverpool winless in their last three away games, drawing two and losing one and the visitors have a long list of absentees. It's not just Salah and Mane and um, and Keita, it's Divock Origi as well. He's a key player that can come in and replace someone in your front line and he's not available, so they lose his goals as well. I just think Liverpool are going to be a little bit toothless here for me and I feel like we could be seeing an all-London final at Wembley in the Carabao Cup with Arsenal getting through this tie and going on to face Chelsea. So there was a few bonus picks for you there um, looking at the Carabao Cup semi-final and the game between Leicester and Tottenham. Our main focus obviously here is on Manchester United and they will play Brentford on Wednesday. We'll be looking at back at that game on the next episode of MUFC and previewing Manchester United's weekend clash. At the weekend, we are playing at home to West Ham. Shockingly, that is not a game that has been picked for the telly. It's actually become a vital game at the top of the table in terms of the Champions League positions anyway, with West Ham currently occupying the spot. So you'd think that would have been the game that they selected because they, they selected the first round of fixtures. And then when they select the next round of fixtures, they already know that West Ham had had a relatively decent start to the season. So it certainly should have been under consideration. But unfortunately, we're going to have to find a way to stream that. As always, your streaming links will be appreciated on the Twitter account either at MUFC or at SGB Soccer. And uh, I'll try and watch that game on Saturday. Don't forget to check out the preview. Also this weekend, we have additional content. We have a UFC card. Therefore, we'll be posting an episode of The Fight Show as well on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. That's it for me in this edition of Bet MUFC. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.